Hello, it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of Archives' Disease in Childhood. So welcome to the February edition. There's an underpinning theme this month, which is common to several of our articles. It's to do with quality. We all give lip service to health-related quality of life, HRQOL in short, but few of us give it the weight we deserve, or at least that's my impression, except those who use it as a pure measure for uh, outcome research. It's defined very broadly by the WHO, and this definition is as good as any, as a child's goals, expectations, standards or concerns about their overall health and health-related domains. Quite hard to take all that on board. Well, we receive information like this constantly, but I don't think we really process it fully, and I wonder whether we should even be including it as part of our general examination. Given that children seven years upwards are capable of reliably reporting their status... I'm convinced we should be using it more. There are a number of scores in use, both general, paediatrics QL, the most widely used, and disease-specific ones, and I'll come back to that later. And given the quality of health provision and experience flavour in this month's papers, I got thinking about how we could incorporate this philosophy, even if not the formal scoring, better on a day-to-day basis. So let's look at some papers. I'm going to start with an interesting and very thought-provoking paper from London from Russell Viner and colleagues looking at emergency department load. As a bit of background, despite the number of alternatives to emergency department care, the daily wave of emergency department presentations, which is up 30% in the last 10 years, and services being placed under unprecedented pressure, there are still alternatives to out-of-hours ED visits. It isn't just the hospitals themselves, but families that feel the strain. Ironically, there's never been more choice of -of out-of-hospital alternatives than at present, which include out-of-hours GPs, nurse practitioners, walk-in centres and community pharmacies. In a nicely modelled paper, the authors estimate the proportion of approximately 3,000 children seen in six London emergency departments who could have been managed equally well out of hospital. Though they made a number of assumptions in the paper, related partly to personnel, the scale was quite staggering. They estimated that 70% of children could equally well have been seen, and almost certainly faster, in an alternative setting. The issue primarily appears to one of parental perception of care and habituation. Taking a slightly different tangent, but nonetheless quality related, a paper looking at outpatient parental antimicrobial therapy. And this is an idea that's been around some time, um, but as ambulatory care has built in popularity, or hospital in the home, as it's often called. These, these services, OPAT, are for relatively well children receiving extended courses of antibiotics. And though it's been around for some time, it's not without its risks in appropriate dosing, duration of treatment and line complications. What's often lacking is a single person, ideally someone with ID experience uh, or specialist interest, who oversees, who is accountable for their particular course of treatment. So the relatively uh, recent introduction of formal OPATs, hospital at home teams, including infectious disease expertise, has unequivocally enhanced the stringency of the process. Mace's study from Western Australia compares outcomes in the pre-hospital at home and post-hospital at home treatment eras and corroborates the importance 
supervision, showing that readmission rates and unnecessary prolonged treatment and adherence all significantly improved by dint of a more tight and robust team. Finally, I want to take a look at another quality paper, again tangential. This paper examines quality of life in congenital heart disease. What's unusual about it is that it looks at it from a South Asian point of view. Although congenital heart disease incidence is a great deal higher than in the US and Europe in Southern Asia, the effect on the related quality of life has received, until now at least, very little attention. So Raj and colleagues' study addresses this gap. Using the PEDS quality of life score, they found significantly worse scores across all the domains, that which including physical, emotional, social and cognitive, in children with unoperated congenital heart disease. Interestingly, the score of the, the class of congenital heart disease, in other words, cyanotic or non-cyanotic, those with increased or decreased pulmonary flows, didn't predict the scores. These were young children, so the scores necessarily represent the parents' impressions. But in some ways, that makes the findings more informative in terms of targeting interventions. Would enhancing parents' awareness, by education or other means, alter their perception of the degree of their children's illnesses? Thanks for bearing with me. Enjoy the rest of the month's papers. I'd just like to congratulate Russell Viner on his appointment as president of the RCPCH. He'll take over from Nina Modi at the annual meeting in March. Thank you. <laughs>